Yo, yo. What's up, Myron? Hey. Week three. Y'all just keep adding people every week. <laughs> what's up, Myron? I'm Timmy. We've emailed a little bit. Oh, Timmy? Yeah. Oh, yeah. What's up, bro? Nice to meet you. Timmy's coming too, up man. to see you, too. Yeah. I was born in Papillion, actually. I've got Omaha roots. For real? Mm-hmm. How much does that Ball count? Does, does this stock go up? I was born in Papillion, and we lived in uh, Bellevue. Went to school in Bellevue. I have Word. No, I what have, school, Bellevue West or East? It was, we went to a, a Christian academy there. I don't know if it's still around. BCA, Bellevue Christian Academy. But that was many moons ago. I was like six. Yeah, they are. Uh, I don't think Bellevue Christian uh, – I don't think that academy is still going. Yeah. Like, like probably within the last few years. Okay. Ever since you left, Timmy, it just wasn't the same. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> Myron, we have covered so much ground with you. The ground we have not covered is the fact that over the last few years, you've started 32 businesses in Omaha. Rob speaks of this little chamber of commerce that has them all connected. And we want to hear about the business side and how you are using business to plant the gospel in North Omaha. Can y'all hear a lawnmower in my background? <laughs> is that is that one of your businesses? <laughs> I was like, I don't know what kind of lead in that is. <laughs> no. No, no, you're good, man. I don't I don't hear anything. Okay. Yeah, man. Um the reason why entrepreneurship is so near and dear to, to our heart, it's a human dignity deal, actually. Um, and more, more even closely to that is it's a justice issue. You know, when we think about playing the gospel, we just think about improving people's lives. Like we think about justice being at the forefront of everything we do because justice is um, the very principle on which the kingdom of God even exists, right? And so some would say, yeah, we wanna use entrepreneurship to reach people for the gospel. And we'd say, um, we, we want to elevate Jesus to reach people for the gospel and the demonstration of his goodness to them is, is, is are the opportunities that we present people. Um, the scripture says, always be ready to give a reason for the hope that lies within us. And, and we've been able to give um, many reasons to that hope because of the, the demonstration of the kingdom of God through our church. And um, did I tell you about the time I, I planted in Colorado and ran out of money? No. Okay. So, we went to Colorado Springs. Uh, we, were, we were sent by God. Um, we wouldn't have been able to articulate our vision as clearly as now, but the mandate was every inner city then. We just couldn't articulate it. Mm. It's back in 2013. Holy Spirit told me to go to Colorado, so we went. <laughs> um, and a year and a half into it, you know, just... 
funds were an issue. And uh, so I went into the crib one day and looked around and saw what we had. We had a Kirby vacuum, some baking soda, a Dawn soap, some Dawn soap, a couple washcloths, a hundred dollars and a suit jacket. <laughs> so what did I do with all those items? <laughs> I started a, 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 a detailing company, mm. automotive detailing, put my suit jacket on, went down to the local uh, car dealer and um, said, hey, my name is Meyer Pierce. I'm the founder of Front Range Detailing. We'd love to talk about business. <laughs> did you make up the yeah. name on the way down? Yeah, yeah, all at one time. <laughs> He's like, sure, you know, we could do business. Do you have dealer tags? I didn't even know what that was. I just said yes. <laughs> and, uh, when you say dealer <laughs> and when I say dealer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My tags may be significantly different than yours. <laughs> so, yeah, I got all the way legit by the end of the week. And by, by the end of three months, we were – um several contracts deep right out of my garage and uh you know we 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 got so busy and and scaled so fast we had to move we were bothering the neighbors (laughs) (laughs) um and so made a few phone calls to a friend said hey uh what would it look like if you um exercise generosity one time this year and it kept multiplying over the span of a myriad of years. Like, how would that make you feel? And that's a business guy. And uh, he said, what do you mean? I said, well, I want to make, I want you to make an investment in my company. Um, and he did, he gave me 15 grand. And so that, that allowed us to scale. We ended up in a six bay facility, um, 30,000 a month. 10, 12 employees. I mean, it was just crazy, man. And so probably a year into it, I said, man, it's not enough to, to, um, for me to grow a, a, a growing company and to scale it and to, to be pastor in a church. But what if we could, I could use my influence to help more entrepreneurs who do, who don't have the social capital, who don't have access to capital, you know, and so we launched Thrive, you know, you know, Thrive, Thrive Colorado Springs. And, you know, unbeknownst to us, the mayor would later get behind it, give us a million dollars and um, and an incredible team. We just built an incredible team and it really became an access point for people to reframe what they thought about the local church because they saw a pastor leading a nonprofit organization that's helping people discover their entrepreneurial talent and using it as an economic driver to improve the community that we were ministering in. And so in that time, man, it, it really taught us to like really helped us build a model for every inner city. So by the time God had sent me back to Omaha, we had a full fledged model on how to plant the gospel, how to mobilize everyday missionaries, what we call hope dealers, and then how to um, leverage the the capacity and potential of everyday people in the inner city. 
And uh, and so that's the story that God's writing right now. Oh yeah, sit with that a minute. No, <laughs> <laughs> Corey, did you have something bubbling up? You look like you had a question. It was more like, um, I mean, I don't want to show my cards too soon because I already asked Myron to be my best friend last week. Um, <laughs> but I'm like, man, what is like what exists in Kansas City like that? And maybe there are, you know, like there's there's probably some cool stuff like that happening. But I'm just like. I have this theory that in the uh, this next era of you know missionary uh, post-Christian environment that we've actually been in for a while, um, that it's going to be kind of this the the entrepreneurs and the businessmen and people who kind of think outside the box uh, and in many facets are going to lead the way both financially, I mean, just in, in everywhere we're talking about this, but just like understanding even, uh, I don't know, I, I have a lot of thoughts. So I don't want to go into all of it right now, but it sounds like you guys are tapping into this in a pretty, pretty powerful way. And I just, I, we just need to learn, man. We need to learn how to reproduce that city to city. We need to learn how to reproduce that in um, urban areas in particular. I think that has been such a cool thing to see you guys doing. So I don't know. Those are my thoughts. I'm going to shut up because I'm going to, I'm going to want to hear from you, man. Well, I think as I listen to what you're saying, uh, I want to go back to that original comment that you made of justice and mm-hmm. how that is driving, you know, embodying the kingdom of God in the world. Because yeah. I think, you know, again, we're in this kind of series of planting the gospel. We spent several weeks with you, and this is just a unique way. People do not think this way. We don't think about justice. We don't think about businesses embodying the kingdom of God. I mean, some people do, but I'm talking about how do we reshape that thinking. So I kind of want you to go a little bit further on what your thoughts were about how that sort of emerged in you of the dignity of work, why justice is so important, and why, like, the the paradigm, the mental shift that we need to make to embrace that more. Yeah, I made a statement yesterday that Jesus— uh, grew up in, a, he was born in the projects, basically. Um, he, he, the maternity ward that Mary was in was, were, was a dirt floor. Um, both his parents and Jesus were refugees. And, um, and that was the context in which Jesus grew, grew up in. Jesus grew up in the inner city. Galilee or Nazareth was so overlooked that the Hebrew Bible doesn't even refer to Nazareth. So think about this. Jesus was an inner city kid. And a millennial. (laughs) (laughs) He started. No, seriously. The the new millennial. Yeah, yeah. Like Jesus for real was an inner city kid. Right. And so if people want to know what God is like, you have to come to the inner city. Because Jesus said when when he gave the parable about, um, you know, you, you know, you, you fed me, you clothed me, you came to visit me in prison and people, they were like, well, what are you talking about? He said, if you did it to them, you did it to me. So the point he's making there is 
I am the inner city. When you when you look at the when you look at the prostitute, you're looking at me. When you look at the kid in poverty, you're looking at me. And so if if he has decided to identify with the inner city in that capacity, then his heart has to be justice. Mm -hmm. Most people see the parable about the, the, the employee, the employer who who went out to hire some guys. And then at the end of the day, he hired some more guys and they all gave him the same wage. Most people will call that socialism. I call that the heart of God. Why? Because God cares so much about inequity. He cares so much about injustice that he was willing to identify with being an inner city kid. Why, why does all that matter? Because when you talk about entrepreneurship, when you talk about justice, they're inseparable. When you talk about caring for, caring for, caring for those like us born in this context, like Jesus, what, what point am I trying to make? Like, when you think about the idea of justice, the, the, it's, it's always on the mind of the minority. It's, it's seldomly on the mind. Let me give you a classic example. And I don't know if I shared this last week. Our, our local police um, department in 2002 received $100 million, right? It's good, you know, protect and serve. I have a problem with that. 2020, our local police department has received $160 million. Okay. In 2002, the inner city, when it came to social services, $2 million. 2020, $2 million. But nobody's talking about that. That's a justice issue. That's an, that's is, that is an example of injustice. Mm -hmm. That's just one slice of an injustice pie. Mm -hmm. The reason why entrepreneurship then becomes like, here's the reality. We can share the gospel as much as we want, but the reality is we can't control or dictate if somebody says yes or no. Mm -hmm. But we can control or dictate <clears throat> the culture that we create and we've been we've been we've been tasked by god to create a culture of a kingdom yeah and in the kingdom of god injustice does not exist poverty does not exist yeah broken relationships do not do not exist that's what we can control so if we start building an economy like that then it opens up the door for people to ask us what in the world are you doing and who in the world are you doing it for? Mm. And that goes back to the statement I made a couple of weeks ago about impact being the greatest ap apologetic. Yeah. Versus just what I say, St. Augustine said, preach the gospel always and when necessary, use words. And we're trying to follow that paradigm. Yeah. Because people don't care what we say in the inner city when they're struggling, trying to eat, when they're struggling, trying to get a job, just saw that there are 1 million unemployed people in America right now. I wonder what, er what area the majority of those unemployed people are. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like, that's why it becomes so important to 
for justice to be a central a center a centerpiece to to what we're doing to what anybody's doing right there there is this um i think as we look at moves of god there is this always a significant um everything that you're describing there's a holistic ministry idea um where i think a lot of the times that we have um erred in the last 2000 years as missionaries is sometimes we lean way too much into, we just want to proclaim with words and get people to pray a prayer and then kind of move on. Uh, we, we as Americans love that evangelistic strategy, by the way. Um, and then maybe sometimes the other end where maybe we'll get too, too much in the weeds of uh, mercy, compassion ministries or something and never, and not necessarily proclaim the uh the salvation or what you know of of uh, jesus brings um what i love about when we track mighty moves of god is there doesn't that doesn't seem to be on opposite ends of the spectrum right that jesus jesus somehow incorporated all of that so beautifully and i think matthew 10 right when he sends out his disciples and it starts off with him basically saying that he had compassion on those that he was listening to right he so he healed the the sick Right. And uh, and then he sent them out and said they're like sheep without a shepherd. Go. And then they find persons of peace and they proclaim Jesus, you know, among more and more people. And so as you're talking about you're talking about all this stuff and I, and I want to keep pressing into this. I also want to press into this. What does it mean to be a hope dealer? You know, some of these guys that you uh, that you're raising up and these everyday missionaries that are planting the gospel. I mean, um, I'd love for you to maybe I, you know, you guys talked about that in podcast number one. Um, but like, what what exactly is a hope dealer, and what do you guys, what does that look like in your context? How is the hope dealer connected with businesses too? By the way, yeah, yeah, because we're hope dealers everywhere we go. Oh yeah, yeah, but and to be a, and to be a hope dealer is to be a disciple maker. Yeah. So right, so our yeah go ahead. For, so the so the the process of disciple making is leading people into a hope filled life in Christ. Yeah. Amen. And the dream behind that process is every inner city. And so, um, so for us, I hope there's a disciple maker. Just, you right. know, so I was one of our, our church plant resident was, I was talking to him yesterday. And um, by the way, he's an entrepreneur. Faith-jump.com is his online e-commerce store. And, uh, and uh, <clears throat> he played D1 for Nebraska, and then a little bit with the Kansas City Chiefs. Brandon Kenny's his name, and uh, he he came he came and hung out in my crib up yesterday, and he said, "Meyer and I got it." I said, "What are you talking about?" He said, "Man, I want to, um, I want to provide an opportunity to kids so that they can play at the highest level in life." And I said, "Tell me more." Now that statement right there, I co I coached them for a, 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 a an hour on teasing that out. But the but but what what what's he what he's giving birth to is what we're, what he's calling um alliance sports training, and the whole goal is to train kids in athletics, but to use that as a a springboard for um, character building, um, discipline, spiritual formation. And that's just one example of how 
we've created and crafted a dream factory in our culture in our family church our, 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 our spiritual family here somebody write that down dream factory yeah we're a dream factory because that always happens to to to, to people in our in our spiritual family you know i think of uh um what's her name tori troy troy came to me a couple about six months ago and so prophetic she said i want to launch benjamin academy in the inner city you know and and, and provide a, a spiritual culture for kids to grow academically and talked to her a few weeks ago she says i'm ready we just need to chat and sit down you know and it's like this always happened and people are like man tell me like tell me the program that you guys are and i'm like it's it's just our culture like we we are a dream factory for hope dealers like you if you get connected to this movement it's in like you're either going to leave because we our our dreams are too uncommon and crazy or you're going to stay because you're like this is who i am and, and so like we just need more hope dealers like that in the hood um but i think we have to create a culture of dreaming and apostolic imagination and um and consequently things like that just happen yeah so some yeah. of the language we use with gospel and gospel uh planting is the whole expression, the whole story, the whole life. It's kind of three parts. And, um, you know, when we teach on it, we talk about gospel presence, gospel demonstration, and gospel proclamation. And I think that's a little bit of what you were saying, too, where there's this embodiment of, like, you know, it begins mm -hmm. with gospel presence. And these businesses are a gospel presence. And because they exist... Actually, I'm I'm gonna say these things, and you can go. No, nah, you got it a little wrong or backwards. You've done that a couple <laughs> of times so far, so I'm I'm good with learning. <laughs> but like, these businesses become this gospel presence, which gives them the opportunity to demonstrate justice, the dignity of work, this value of elevating the community because of this new life that they're bringing, <clears throat> and because they're present and embodying the gospel, and they're demonstrating the kingdom in its fullness, not just you get to heaven when you die, but we're creating good things here in the now. The kingdom is already here among us. There is an opportunity to proclaim the gospel because of the hard work of embodying it, demonstrating it, so that they can speak it. Yeah. Yes. True, <laughs> True Brian. You well done. True. <laughs> True. <laughs> Go on that for a little bit, if you. Can. I mean, I feel like you've done that some, but I had to kind of put. I mean, our don't language. we don't 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 us as Americans don't we like don't we love to compartmentalize the gospel? Seriously, you know, like we like to separate sacred and spiritual, and and I think the gospel is a multifaceted message that we get to embody in word and deed. Mm. Myron, where do you want to take us next? <laughs> Look, because this is week three of the 10 weeks that we have you scheduled here. So, uh... 
don't know if you knew that or not. I ser- um, I seriously want to open it up a little bit, unless you guys have other questions that are bubbling up. But mm-hmm. I feel like we have asked you so much, and we've you know we hang out with a group of guys on Thursday night and we process and we go, here's what Myron taught us to last week. <laughs> here's what Myron taught us. Yeah, stop week. it, man. I'm not, I'm not kidding. We do this. Um, but I kind of want to say like, okay, you've been hearing us ask questions. And at some level, I assume you're going, well, that was a, that was a decent question or yeah, I can see why you're in, in, you know, but I also think from another angle, you're probably going, you guys need to ask some better questions. You need to, you need to think about this or about this. What are the things that, um, I don't know, you would press into us? Yeah, that's a good question. So I guess like for me, I'm wondering, cause I've, I've, uh, I've been following you guys for a long time, like just the whole underground movement. And I think there were some guys here in Omaha trying to, trying to get that off the ground. Um, and before I fully knew that, that was, that was, that's how I kind of went on this, uh, journey of trying to discover who the underground was and, and, and basically bro, it was some white dudes in the hood here trying to do something called the underground. And, <laughs> and I was like, they were like, yeah, we kind of trying to do these house things. And I'm like, that'll never work. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we're gonna and they were like, Yeah, we're gonna plant these micro churches. I'm like, what? Like, what is that? You know what I mean? So I'm like, micro what? I'm like, wait a minute. Um, black people have been doing micro churches. We had house churches back in slavery. So what are you talking about? You know what I mean? So I couldn't no, I'm, I'm for real. No, 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 I'm so serious. Like when y'all come, I can show you like literal houses with church names on them, like how like for real house churches, you know what I mean? And so I'm like what you know what I mean and so like I just went on this journey and like oh okay that's what you know what I mean so it was just like a and and uh you know and and I'm like well man that that'll never work and uh and I one of the guys ended up connecting with us and then he's like yeah we do this micro thing in his house and I'm like like why I said black people don't want you in their house first of all a lot of black people don't have houses a lot of black people have multi-families they living with grandmama like, you know, I mean, there's just these big old, di- they, like, they, all these di- dynamics to it. And I'm like, um, and so I've talked to one of the guys, you know, he's kind of sharing with me. And I'm just thinking like, man, the idea that you're trying this, this idea is good, but you're going about it the wrong way. It's like, the it's the, it's the exact, you just cannot do it that way um method when it comes to methods and so all that to say is like i've been learning um from you guys and like one of the things i've had to do is i've had to learn and then recontextualize Mm -hmm. because the the y'all we all know this we go to a conference and then we try to uh, regurgitate in our context what we saw from the stage and it ends up blowing up <laughs> you know what i mean and so i've had to do that when i've attended um like conferences that are kind of really for the main for the majority culture and not for people like us and and i've come out with some gold actually you know i've spent a lot of time with ralph moore and, and like he grew up in different contexts and he planted in different contexts but i've I've, 
I've been able to learn. And so I've had to like African Americans and minorities, we have to become by by um bilingual culturally. Hmm. Like we're just by default bilingual because of because of what we we have to speak the majority culture language and we have to speak the minority culture language, mm-hmm. our indigenous tongue. Um, and some some don't make it. Some some have chosen to not like. That's why you had the birth of the black church. The birth of the black church um, isn't because us as black people wanted to be separated. Like we didn't want that. You know, you know, ultimately, we just wanted to um, go back home and be, be left to hell alone. That's what we want. <laughs> want to go back to our hometown, like go back to Africa and leave us to hell alone. Like that's what we wanted. But then when we got here, um, the advent of the separate worship, like the master would worship and then we had to worship in the back. Well, what happens when you have to continue worshiping that you build a culture where it's like, man, we're just trying to survive, right? So that's so that's what you hear in the language and the singing, the songs, the old Negro spirituals. That's what you're hearing. You're hearing a community, a, a culture of people lamenting the fact that we may not be here tomorrow. And so like that's so. So what happens when we try to plant the gospel in, in context like that, if we miss that context, that, con- that context and that narrative, yeah. we you know what I mean? And so, so all that to say, I I said all that to say is I've been learning a lot from your movement um, and trying to contextualize the things that I, that I, that I think I know (laughs) um, about, about the underground. And so, um, so more of a statement. Um, I guess my question would be like, also, what what does what you're doing even in kc like when it comes to the inner city like what does that look like what are you imagining what's the process of planting the gospel in hard places like the hood yeah another you yeah i mean you're laughing but i i mean i'm being serious where it's like You know, Corey, I'd love for you to go on this for just a minute, but, Mm -hmm. you know, we've been talking about it. Our, our job, my job is not to plant the gospel in every part of the city. I, it's just, I I know where Jesus has sent me and the people that he's given me that I love deeply. And I, I feel deeply about right now that there is intentionality there, but I feel like there's a sense of my role of, um, Corey talks about uh, city catalysts and champions, and he's going to go further on this in a minute, but I'm still talking. So um, so how do we find the other catalysts that want to raise other champions up, that want to, you know, based on every part of the city and how every part of the city is different? And who are the people, you know, he used this language of they have a, a reason to belong there. Um, and we just want to provide a bigger network for us all to belong in. The, there's like this big family that deeply cares about the the gospel saturation of this city, that every man, woman, boy, and girl have repeated opportunities to see, hear, taste, experience the gospel and have the opportunity to, to respond to it. Um, and I, I, like, I don't know the full answer to your question, 
but I just believe there are there are more gifted people like you that see it. They know that narrative and they know that story and they have that reason to elevate that part of the city. And it's our job to just like connect all of us together. I, I have that mm-hmm. assumption or that belief. I don't, I feel deeply convicted about it, but again, Corey can go further. You got to unmute though, bro. You just, your mouth is going 90 to nothing and nobody's hearing anything. <laughs> I'm muted guys. I just like, I was, I was like, I'm trying to interrupt you for the last 20 seconds. Why do you keep talking? Oh, um, no, I mean, I think, I think the reality is what Brian just said um, is that if I don't have a reason to belong in a community, I don't have an effective voice. And when there are, that's just a general statement. That's from any group of people in the, in the city. Um, when it becomes um, a history of woundedness and majority oppression, you know, like white people to black people, it's like the, the audacity of a white person to move into the city to um, not, I'm not talking about to incarnate and to dwell among, but to have to think that I'm going to be a leader in a culture where God has already raised up probably incredible Mm. amounts of leaders. Um, They may not know Jesus yet. I mean, it's kind of what you were talking about last week. I mean, they might be multiplying in all these other ways that aren't kingdom, but man, like God has raised up and is raising up leaders. Mm. And so it is, it is the principle of indigenous leadership. Um, that we see in movements globally throughout history <laughs> and the, the best people equipped to reach people are, are their own. Um, mm. and so you, you referenced uh, Mark five last week, right? With the, the demoniac. Um, and I, I just love that. I always say he's the first uh, Gentile missionary, right? Like Jesus sends him back to his people r- right away. And he was, he's the most equipped. And we look at the Samaritan woman, <clears throat> she goes back right away. Right. We look at, we look at Levi and he goes back to his tax collectors right away. There, there is a reality that God raises up people to re- be able to reach their own. Um, and so our entire strategy, or at least I, I think our entire, at least this is what we want. Our entire strategy is to find those who God is raising up. And if that means that they already know Jesus already, or if they're just their leaders already within the community and have a reason to exist there, um, our job is to, to have spiritual eyes to see what God is doing. And to come alongside and to fan the flame any way we can. Mm-hmm. Usually that's put that's sitting in the back seat, mm-hmm. right? Usually that's like empowering as much as we possibly can. Uh, sometimes it's more of a okay, they, they, we're going to train and lead in a, in a in a more overt way because that's their desire. Cool. Um, but right now, I've been in about uh, really ever since this is me personally speaking now. Ever since George Floyd, um, my heart. And, and I know so many people within underground, our heart has been burning to not be a part of the problem, but like whatever it means to lay our privilege aside, to be able to find and to give as, as much voice to uh, particularly the black community in Kansas city to say, lead the way, how can, what can we do to lay aside our privilege in order to, to give more of a a voice, whatever that looks like, we just long to see it. So for months, my prayer has been, God lead us to the black leaders in the city who have a heart for gospel saturation, who have a heart for the things that we're saying, God raise them up. I know they're there. I just don't know. And whatever way that we can help, we're going to come alongside. Um, So that's our strategy. And to be honest, since we started talking with you, my mind is going crazy because I'm like, okay, man, Myron, okay, he doesn't live in Kansas City. 
uh, yet. No, uh, he doesn't live in Kansas City. But um, okay, he's got this. Uh, no, bro, hey, I used I used to live in I used to live in Kansas City. What? Yeah, I used to live in um from eight to um thirteen. I lived in Kansas City and Kansas City, Kansas. So I live right off a of prospect down um in a um in a homeless shelter with my grandma. Wow. And for the first year in Kansas City, and, and then we moved over the bridge to Kansas City, Kansas. I lived in Wyandotte County. The dot. And yeah, Wyandotte County went to uh went to Northwest Middle School. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey. So I know them streets. <laughs> yeah, so when you come back, man, you'll know them. You'll know them. <laughs> <laughs> I um, think I think there's <laughs> another angle of this as well, Myron, where like we what what we think about is you know, we're sitting in our hub right now and it's right. on like the Southwest part of the city. And we're in this place where it's like, well, we can't reach the Northwest part of the city. We need a hub over there. Like the, the, the missionaries in that part of the city don't need to drive 40 minutes for some level of coaching or for some connection. So we need a hub yeah. over there. And so that's another thing we're praying for is like, who are the, you know, we want to see a multiplication of these little mission sending agencies that are fiercely local to the context that they're in. And so that's another mm. thing we're praying for is who are the little teams. Now, that doesn't mean we're not connected to them and that they're just their own movement. That's another part of like building this web of support of how does this hub support getting this hub off the ground that's investing in their five to 10 mile radius or whatever it is, or three minute walk, you know, like mm -hmm. how many of those do we need to see in the city multiply because of the unique parts of the city that they're in and not trying to run like one hub that's trying to reach this whole city. Mm. Uh, but there's a way to network those that I think is meaningful that, um, you know, honors every part of, uh, the cultural context that make up the, the city as a whole. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So as you hear those things, are you like, mm, yeah, that's cool. That's what I, or is my heart, <laughs> my, my heart, leap, my, my heart definitely leaps. Mm. Is, uh, I don't know. Every place I've, I've lived, there's just such a affinity I have. Um, Kansas city just reminds me so much of Omaha and in Kansas City, Kansas. But uh, <clears throat> I think, yeah, man, we, yeah, there definitely needs to be a hub. Um, yeah, that's an interesting thought. I mean, so so you just said that you're going to commit to help us get that going. Is that, do you guys hear that? <laughs> pretty sure I heard that. I, I, I'd, I'd be open to exploring how we could create a hub. Um, that, that just got recorded, so I just I just want to put that out there. <laughs> we really think that that's the way forward, though. It's like you know, you have this amazing uh, gift and kind of divine ordination for that, and connections and heartbeat. And this is another place where we're saying, please lead us, you know, mm -hmm. and and help us to do that in ways that again are honoring and valuing and elevating. I mean, I you can probably tell in our voices. It's like, man, we we want to do it right, and we don't want to say the wrong things. We don't want to continue to contribute to the problem that was there. Um, mm. And at the same time, we are who we are, and God made us unique, and right. He celebrates us as well. It's not so. It's it's holding all right. of that tension together and saying, 
man, we just believe so much in who you are and like the, the privilege of these last three weeks to pick your brain and to be sitting here now, you know, and saying, yeah, we can explore that together. We're going, bring it like that. that, That's how we will reach it when there are other people with that bigger vision to say, okay, this is the next step for you. You may have had this idea, but this is the next step for you. So we say, man, speak into it. And and I also want to speak to uh, the everyinnercity.com. So after you mentioned that last week, and I, I've just been, you know, I'm just a dreamer. You talk about dream factory. Oh man. I, I got excited about that. Cause I'm just always dreaming about random stuff. And as you're talking <laughs> about that, I think there's, um, there's a lot of black leaders in, in um, Kansas city who I'm just like, man, I, I just, I, I would love for them to be a part of this. Like, um, and it's not say, Hey, come to my conference. It's like, check out what Myron is doing and listen to what he has to say. And this, this, I just buy into it, you know? And so as a practical thing last week, we said, Hey, how can we, how can we come alongside every intercity.com? And you're just like, all right, spread the word. And it's, uh, that's been stuck in my brain where and I'm like, have. I'm wondering if that can be a catalyst for, yeah. for stuff in Kansas city, both relationships, but also just they're finding people like yourself who, mm-hmm. who have, a, who have a heart for, for, you know, urban Kansas city, but at the same time, like our outside the box, like guys, you know, like catalytic apostolic in nature, God has raised people up to that in Kansas city. It's just like, right. Right. You know, it's time to connect. Right. Those so anyway, that's exciting for me. So we've only got 10 minutes left before we have to jump on another call. Uh, we've taken three weeks of your time and we're going to beg for more later, but we ask everybody to do one thing at the end of these podcasts is just as what, what would be the word that you would speak back into us, Myron? Um, if Jesus would, would give you a word right now over us as encouragement to the Kansas city underground to say, uh, this would be my blessing over you or my challenge to you, my encouragement to you. Uh, and then we just sit back and receive it. Yeah, man, I, I believe that the underground is new wineskin. <clears throat> and I know I'm so serious. The underground is new wineskin. And um, I believe you've taken the principles of the kingdom and you have innovated. And the more disruptive our world becomes, the more innovative the underground will be. Mm. And so the word I will have is expectation. Um, where many churches are declining in their expectation. Um, I think it's time to incline in our expectation. I don't know if you've ever been to um, Colorado, but in Colorado, um, they have something called the incline. Hmm. And I've been up the incline and it is hard. Is that the old railroad? Or yeah. railroad? Oh yeah, that yeah. was awesome. So, Yes. So at you, so you've, you've been there. I've done it. Yeah. I, I did it so, right near the Springs, right? Or in the Springs. Yeah. Right in the Springs. And, um, the journey of the incline is incredible and it's hard as you're inclining, but when you get to the top, there's no feeling like to describe, you know what I'm talking about, Corey, yeah, yeah. When, you, when you look out. And so my word would be, um, keep climbing because because there's vision at the top, bro. Like, so keep climbing. I think keep climbing looks like keep keep expecting. Yeah. Um, because in case the underground is a new wine skin that God's raised up for for this time. Mm, yeah. Man, Myron, so thank good. you so much for the last three weeks for sure, and for all of 
all of you that are listening, just know that this relationship is going to continue and we're going to learn so much uh, from what's happening in Omaha and from this brother of ours. So grace and peace. Thanks for listening to the Underground Podcast. We hope that it's either been an encouragement to you or that it's created a curiosity about what it means to live into a missionary mindset with an aim to make disciples and see the church emerge. If you're a missionary or a microchurch in Kansas City and you're looking for coaching or just belonging within a network, we'd love to connect with you so we can learn about what you are doing and how you are joining Jesus for gospel saturation in this city. If you're outside the Kansas City area and have questions about what it would mean to catalyze a disciple-making movement that leads to the emergence of microchurches in every network within your city, we'd love to connect with you as well and offer whatever resources might be helpful to you. You can find out more at kcunderground.com. Grace and peace, friends.